Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. As you know, spring practice for the Georgia Bulldogs begins next week. And obviously, when that starts, both here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia and other places, the quarterback discussion, who is the next in line to be Georgia starter after Stetson Bennett led the dogs to national championships, that is going to be a very hot topic. And we have some evidence here today, which I think is kind of interesting, that maybe some folks far on the outside of the program maybe they don't quite have a full handle on exactly what is at least possible to play out when this competition begins and when it unfolds over the course of the next few months. And you know this, that sometimes I like to go outside what I call the bubble of dog nation and kind of get a perspective from like, say, 10,000 feet or however you want to describe that. Because sometimes by all of us who sort of zoom in so close microscopically at times on what's happening at UGA, maybe that gives us a distorted picture. But sometimes you have people who kind of live far on the outside of all of this, and maybe they're just not following it as closely as we are. It's actually that distance that creates the distorted picture for them. And I think we have a little bit of evidence of that today. Uh, Connor Riley wrote, wrote a story about this at DogNation.com. I'm going to talk to Connor more about uh, the, the general takeaway on this a little bit later on. But ESPN does one of those kind of capsule stories where they look at the top spring storylines for their top 25 teams or whatever else and you're probably not surprised necessarily to find out that for ESPN that top spring storyline for Georgia kind of centers around quarterback I want to read you though just a short portion of what a duo of writers uh, Chris Lowe and Harry Louse Jr. said about the Georgia situation and I think you'll see some evidence that ooh, they may not be fully aware of exactly what's going on here can we show this on the screen here from ESPN uh, Chris Lowe, Harry Lyles Jr. saying this of Georgia, that when it comes to quarterback spot, redshirt junior Carson Beck and redshirt sophomore Brock Vandegrift appear to be in line to compete for Bennett's old gig with the opportunity to lead Georgia's bid for a three-peat, or as we say around here, to go for three in 23. Now, when you read that from Chris Lowe and Harry Lyles Jr. from ESPN, there is one name conspicuously absent from that little blurb there. We heard Carson Beck and we do believe that Beck is a big time contender for this quarterback job obviously he was the number two quarterback a year ago we heard Brock Vandegrift and there is a lot to like about Vandegrift his athleticism is I think you know quite prodigious this is a guy that I think moves around pretty well has a big arm he kind of looks like a quarterback you'd obviously love the idea of a guy like this being a part of your quarterback competition but who didn't get mentioned there on that little ESPN blurb at ESPN.com I didn't read Gunnar Stockton's name in that. Did you notice that? Stockton's name wasn't there. That's interesting to me. Now, this also, I think, kind of reflects some of what you see in some of the betting odds right now. And there is nothing more notoriously wrong this time of year than early futures on the Heisman Trophy. I think it's been a million years and probably never since one of the like the top favorites of the Heisman Trophy at this point in the year ended up winning the award. So I don't know that current Heisman odds are all that predictive of anything necessarily, but when you look at some of the online sports books like FanDuel and places like that that have posted these Heisman odds, you see odds for Carson Beck and you see odds for Brock Vandegriff, and both those guys are relatively short shots to win the award. The thought being, well, you had a Heisman finalist at Georgia a year ago in Stetson Bennett. Whoever emerges as the starting quarterback in a place like Georgia, which could and will be predicted to win the national championship again, 
clearly the Georgia quarterback is likely a Heisman contender. That's why you see kind of the short status, almost like a favorite status for potential Georgia quarterbacks right now. But once again, when you look at these Heisman odds, it sort of reflects what the ESPN guys are saying here, which is it's either Carson Beck, who's been the number two, Brock Vandergriff, who was the number three and kind of been here a little bit. Once again, there seems to be a, a certain pocket of the national media that I don't think is as aware as it should be about Gunnar Stockton. I truly believe that when Georgia spring practice begins next week in a competition that I believe that will last several months, probably into the start of the 2023 season, I truly believe it is a three-man race. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying all of the, on all of this. I am not predicting that Gunnar Stockton is going to be the starting quarterback at Georgia. That's not my prediction. I am sending a warning shot, though, to all national media types that if you only focus on Carson Beck and if you only focus on Brock Vandegrift, you are not giving the full picture of exactly what could happen for Georgia in its quarterback competition this offseason. Gunnar Stockton should be taken very seriously for his chance to win this job. Part of this is because Stockton has traveled at Georgia a very, very similar path to what Stetson Bennett traveled, and obviously we don't have that turned out for Bennett. That Bennett originally made a name for himself at Georgia in 2017, working as the scout team quarterback for a team that played for a national championship. You know how much praise Bennett earned for that. What was it? Uh, you had like Mel Tucker and, and McCole Hardman. A lot of guys were on the program at the time were like just sort of just boasting about how good Stetson Bennett had been as the scout team quarterback. Now, the Bennett route to becoming Georgia starter was a little bit, is it circuitous? He said that word circuitous. You know, he had to go to junior college, and then he was buried on the bench, but eventually, obviously, we know how it all turned out for him. In the case of Stockton, it could be a little bit more of a direct route. He got some really important snaps at practice this past season against the defense. It's a pretty good proving ground. It'll let you know how good of a quarterback you have a chance to be. The experience you gain from that, I think, gives you some pretty good seasoning here, and I think you have to take him seriously because of that. Now, once again, that's not to say that Brock Vandegrift uh, couldn't beat out Gunnar Stockton. It's not to say that Carson Beck won't beat out Gunnar Stockton, but you better take Gunnar Stockton seriously in all of this. In fact, to bolster my point, let me let you hear from Kirby Smart going back to when Stockton first signed with Georgia. Now, keep this in mind. one point in time, Gunnar had been a South Carolina commit. Gunnar was one of those guys that basically could have gone everywhere but he came to UGA, and he followed up on a good bit of quarterback depth at the time to come to the Dogs. But apparently Gunner wasn't you know, shy about any of that. And obviously when he signed with George as a part of that class of 2022, Kirby had plenty of good things to say about him at the time, and those words then I think resonate now. Uh, this is Kirby talking about Gunner Stockton. The recruitment of Gunner was really interesting because we've known Gunner, at least I've known Gunner since he was a – small kid you know his dad uh hosted me at uh a official visit in georgia southern many years ago so i've known his dad for a long time my dad was the, the high school coach there as gunner was a young young kid um uh, tremendous athlete uh tremendous character i don't know that you could raise a finer young man uh in today's day and age of all the i don't know what you call it the attention seeking uh people he's never done that and uh, he's stuck to his guns that he loves UGA and that he wants to be here and uh, certainly a, a major part of our signing class. Now, let me ask you that a question for a quick moment. Does that sound like a guy right there who could be the Georgia starting quarterback? I'd say that it does. Now, the retort to this is, well, yeah, B.A., you could play clips, though, of Kirby Smart talking about Carson Beck, and he'd say good things about him, and you're right about that. And you could play clips of Kirby Smart talking about Brock Vandegrift. In the past, he said plenty of good things about Brock. 
totally understand that. I'm not telling you that Gunnar Stockton is the favorite, and I'm right now not talking about Carson Beck and Brock Vandergrift. We're talking about Gunnar Stockton because ESPN wasn't. And we're talking about Gunnar Stockton because you know preseason Heisman odds or these sort of betting markets that try to project who starting quarterbacks are going to be, they're not really saying much about Stockton right now either. And all of that could turn out to be a mistake. Maybe the Georgia quarterback competition is just as conventional as some people think it will be. Carson Beck was the number two a year ago. Maybe he just ascends to be number one right now. Or if he doesn't win the job, maybe it's a former five-star like Brock Vandegriff, who to a lot of folks kind of outside the bubble of dog nation on the national landscape, a guy like Vandegrift may be more famous to them than Stockton is simply because Vandegrift was rated uh, higher as a recruit. Maybe it's that conventional wisdom there as well, that the highest rated former recruit on this uh, quarterback roster, he emerges as the starter. Maybe it is that simple. But in a place like Georgia where competition really matters, finding a way to make the competition as intense as possible is typically the way you expect Kirby Smart to go. And it's probably the way that Mike Bobo, the new offensive coordinator, is going to go there as well. And in a very intense competition that includes three names, I'd take the name of Gunnar Stockton pretty seriously. At the very least, he makes the competition more interesting, and I'd give him a shot to win it. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, and we're glad to have you with us no matter how you join us today. Live on video, 945, first and 15, dognation.com, Dog Nation app, 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, or the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 Ref, and across all the podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, worldfamousdognation.com, every other place you can kind of connect with this show, just whichever platform you choose. We just really appreciate you being a part of what we're doing here each and every day. And a huge, huge thanks to our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia for making it possible there as well. You know, so many of the folks in our audience, homeowners, you want to take good care of your home and you want to try to protect your home when bad stuff happens. And one of the worst things that can happen is the kind of stuff that Engineered Solutions of Georgia sort of steps up and fights against, protects against, tries to, you know, handle each and every day. I'm talking about foundation waterproofing issues. You know what the foundation stuff is? That concrete floor in your basement, maybe those walls, you see those cracks start to emerge. You kind of know what that looks like. Just, you know, the rigid cracks show up and you realize, uh oh, this could be a sign of something. Well, if that's the case, don't put off finding out exactly what's going on because sometimes it's tempting to want to kind of pretend it doesn't exist, but nothing is made better by avoiding the conversation. And the great news is at a place like Engineered Solutions of Georgia, the conversation may be more pleasant than you realize because Engineered Solutions of Georgia has the word solutions right there in its name. It is a solutions-based company. That means if there's a simple fix for your problem, they're going to tell you that. But if it's something that requires a little bit more substantial work, all the more reason to have ESOG on the job because they've got an entire team of engineers on staff to help you. There's nobody in our market that puts that level of resource to work for you the way that Engineered Solutions of Georgia does each and every day. Same thing for waterproofing issues, too. That water creeping in where it's not supposed to be, basement, crawl space, wherever else. Once again, trust Engineered Solutions of Georgia for your foundation, your waterproofing issues. They're longtime friends of ours at Dog Nation Daily. I'm so grateful for that. They're also proud partners of UGA, too. And it's always fun to do business with those that support the dogs. And that is exactly what Engineered Solutions of Georgia does. So give them a call. 678-ESOG now. That is 678-ESOG now, and that will get you in touch with Engineered Solutions of Georgia. All right, coming up in a couple of moments, I've got a really fun contest opportunity that we're going to do here at Dog Nation, a great giveaway. I'm very excited about that. I'll tell you about that in a couple of minutes. That's going to be fun. Uh, also, before we're done in today's show, Jake Fromm stops by. Always great to talk to the Georgia, uh, the former Georgia quarterback. And in light of our quarterback conversation off the top, 
We'll ask Jake about Gunner and Carson Beck and Brock Vandegrift and exactly how he thinks this quarterback competition could play out. That will be good. It's Connor Riley here in a couple of minutes there as well. So we're busy here over the course of the next few minutes. But prior to that, I want to go around the doghouse. And, you know, obviously it's not a surprise that uh, a entity network like ESPN fixates on the Georgia quarterback competition this spring. We understand why they will. It is important. It's going to go a long way towards determining whether or not Georgia can go for three in 23. But I would suggest that it is not the only very important thing we'll be watching this spring and into the start of the 2023 campaign for Georgia. I don't want to say the Georgia offensive line situation is more important than quarterback because that doesn't quite seem right. But I think there is a way of looking at offensive line for Georgia being a catalyst for how good the quarterback eventually ends up being and how good the offense eventually ends up being with Mike Bobo at the helm here for his first year back since 2014. And the reason why we know that's true is because look at how much of a catalyst the Georgia offensive line proved to be in both 2021 and 2022 for the back-to-back national champions. We have a little bit of track record that suggests this is the case. So with guys like Warren McClendon and, and Broderick Jones leaving, a guy like Cedric Von Prine Granger thankfully coming back, you know, looking at an offensive line in transition and kind of how it, you know, reconstructs itself here a little bit, I think is going to be really important. And, you know, one of the guys that's going to get a real opportunity, it would seem, this spring, earn some praise at the NFL Scouting Combine this past week. Both Broderick Jones and Warren McClendon really zeroing in on what they think Ernest Green, former elite recruit out of the state of California, what he has a chance to be this year. Kind of battle entry here a little bit. But when Broderick Jones was asked directly who he thought would replace him this year on the Georgia offensive line, Broderick Jones was pretty quick to mention Ernest Green. This is what Brod said about that. Probably uh, my guy Ernest. I like Ernest a lot. Um, he was hurt uh, this past season, but I believe when he's back healthy and you know he gets everything in order, he'll be all right. Who's your toughest matchup last season? Toughest matchup last season? So I probably didn't edit that clip as sharply as I could have, but you get the point there. Uh, kind of shortened the point when it comes to uh, 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 Ernest Green as being the guy that can sort of step up and uh, take the place of Broderick Jones. Later on, uh, Jones was asked a little bit more about exactly why he liked Ernest Green so much, and hopefully I edited this clip a little bit better. Let's listen and see. Ernest Show, he came in. I felt like coming in, he was ready. He, he was very physical, heavy hands, you know, good pass sets, good run blocker, good finisher, you know, like he, he showed all the attributes it takes to play at, on a, at a level at, at the SEC. How did that compare to where you were at when you came in? And how would you compare Ernest's level of preparedness to where you were at? I, I feel like me, honestly being honest, I feel like he came in, you know, on a higher level than I did, you know, just because he had, you know, experience like his dad with his dad, um, trainers, like coming out of high school, I really wasn't training with, you know, a lot of people. Uh, so I, I feel like he really had an upper level of game than me coming in. So thankfully, I added that clip pretty well. And I got to tell you, that's really exciting. Now think about what we just heard from Broderick Jones there for a moment. And, and a lot of times in these discussions, guys are sort of throwing around these platitudes. And maybe it doesn't you know mean as much as you might want it to mean. But nonetheless, I'm going to take this pretty seriously here for a second. Broderick Jones just gave Georgia an awesome level of play at the uh, left tackle spot this past year. He's going to be a first-round pick for his efforts. He deserves that money. He's going to get it. I'm glad he is. But he says, hey, Ernest Green actually showed up at Georgia a little bit more ready to play than I was. And I I like that because 
I mean, if you're a Georgia fan, you need a big year from Ernest Green. You know, you sort of expect to get a big year from Marius Mims, and obviously he showed you a high level at the end of last season. You're sort of saying, well, the next big guy in line would seem to be Green, but we didn't hear a ton about, a ton about Ernest this past year. He was banged up and probably took some of the, the, the spotlight off of him, and maybe it, I, I'm just speculating here, maybe it slowed his development a little bit too because he kind of dealt with some injury stuff. So while you're sort of left to assume, well, Green must be the guy just based on kind of his rating and based on some of the chatter you've sort of heard about him, you're still kind of viewing him as a little bit of a mystery. But Broder Jones gives you a very high level of praise there because of some of the personal training he got and kind of some of the you know, the, the opportunities that he had. He actually showed up at Georgia. Broderick Jones says a little bit more polished than I was. I really like that. And when you take what Broderick Jones says there and echo it a little bit with what Warren McClendon also said about Ernest Green, I think you start to feel better about another high-level tackle emerging, knowing that Georgia's losing two very high-level tackles off last year's team. Here is Warren McClendon on maybe the next in line there, Ernest Green, the former four-star out of California. Ernest Green, you know, he was he got injured um, throughout the season, uh, before the season, so he sat out for a little bit, but he's coming back. You know, he had a, a great spring, you know, especially for early enrollee. He shot my, uh, he shot me, so Ernest Green for sure. Um, what did Ernest do? Really, you know, when freshmen come in, early enrollees, I thought, you know, they have a lot to learn, and he picked up on everything quick, you know, and his pass pro, you know, you come in and you have to learn how to kick slide and stuff like that, and he had it down packed, you know, day one when he first came, uh, got in, so just seeing stuff like that and just little things like that, you're like, okay, he's, he's going to be, uh, he's going to be good. Let me give you a little bit of a hint about how I listen to things when it comes to, you know, press conference stuff like that. As I said before, it is like sort of, you know, college football media 101 that if a player is at the scouting combine, you ask him about the guys that are still left over at a place like George, and we know these guys aren't going to trash their former teammates, right? So, so you know, they're going to sort of throw around some nice, you know, nice praise, and you can decide for yourself how much that means. When I hear the same specific praise, like the same specific comment from two different people, well, I'm likely to take that seriously. And what Broderick Jones said is, hey, I'm a first-round pick, but this guy actually came to George a little bit more prepared than I was. And when Warren McClendon says, I was shocked by his level of preparation, the, the, the level of polish his game already had, even as a true freshman kind of going through spring practice for the first time, that's the same compliment from two different guys I'm left to take that seriously, and I'm left to believe, well, in that particular case, hey, maybe Ernest Green, this guy that you need to have a good year for you, maybe he is actually set up to do that. I take that as very good news, and I take that pretty seriously. And by the way, just for fun, one more here from Warren McClendon on the other tackle, Amarius Mims, who actually played in place of Warren during the college football playoff and the rest of the offensive line. I liked this from Warren about his outlook for that group this upcoming year. And once again, if you're a dog fan, I believe you're going to like it too. They're going to be a beast. That's going to, they're going to be a machine. Hopefully, you know, they win the Joe Moore, but we all know how that goes. But, uh, you know, they're going, to, they're going to be a dominant group. Oh, yeah. What about, what about Mims? He was kind of your understudy. Where, where do you think we're going to see Marius Mims? I don't know what position he's going to play, but I think he'll play, you know, a big role in the leadership. Um, really, there's going to be a lot of leaders, you know, a lot of older guys, like Xavier Trust, Cedric, um, Tate. You know, Mims stepping up. You know, it's going to be a lot of leadership in that room. So, yeah, it's going to be a good one. So, I like all of that from McClendon. I, 
love the kind of like uh, sarcastic disregard at the end of, hey, hopefully they'll win the Joe Moore Award, but you know how that goes. It's almost like Georgia's just sort of giving up. <laughs> like Michigan's going to win the award every year for the rest of life, even though the Georgia offensive line dominates on the way to every national championship. I think that's really funny. And, you know, my expectation is that Marius Mims is going to be one of the best players in the country here this year. I, I do say that when you see how well Broderick Jones played a year ago, if you kind of think of whether it's left side, right side, just sort of think about, you know, kind of slotting the the player types here if Mims is this year's Broderick Jones I do think you got a lot of live up to to be as good as Broderick Jones was for Georgia a year ago but Mims could very well do it but I take it man that's pretty exciting to hear those things about Ernest Green the sort of specific praise specific compliment from both guys I take that pretty seriously uh so that's a nice thing to be able to see before I bring on Connor Riley speaking of Georgia offensive linemen how about a really fun opportunity to win courtesy of Dog Nation and our friends at Marlowe's Tavern. What a great giveaway this is going to be. It involves me, which I'm excited about, but what I'm more excited about is it also involves the former Georgia offensive lineman John Stinchcomb there as well. What I'm telling you is, and if you go to dognation.com right there, top of the page, you can see the link to click into to read more about this and get the information that you need. But we're going to do a VIP Marlowe's Insider Lunch with me, but more importantly, John Stinchcomb. It's coming up on March 21st. It's a Tuesday, Tuesday, March 21st. You can be a part of this at the Marlowe's in Dunwoody. That's 1317 Dunwoody Village Parkway. We've been to Marlowe's in Dunwoody a million times. We always love it. Uh, it's going to be a great day coming up on Tuesday, March 21st, and you're going to have a chance to win this. We're going to have four winners who get a chance to win. Bring a guest there to be a part of that that day. Me, John Stenchcomb, what a great time it's going to be. You go to dognation.com and click on the link for your chance to win to register for that chance to win. Uh, entries, of course, uh, got to be coming in here pretty soon, so let's make sure we uh, get those in there. But uh, dognation.com for your chance to enter to win vip insider lunch me john stinchcomb kind of giving you all the insight you need about how george is going to be this spring that's going to be a great time i hope you'll register uh, i hope you'll good luck in, in winning that uh four winners bringing a guest for that it's going to be a great time can't wait to hopefully see you for our vip insider lunch at marlowe's tavern in dunwoody coming up on tuesday march 21st that's a great time speaking of great times we're going to have one later on bringing on jake Fromm to the show we'll talk to him about everything happening around uga but let's keep this conversation going right now always a fun guest on a tuesday how about connor riley right now dog nation daily presented by esog From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Glad to be talking to Connor Riley here on a day like this. And obviously, Connor had great coverage in the NFL Scouting Combine. I want to talk about some of that throughout our discussion here. But, Connor, let me let you join in on what I was just saying. Um, I heard the same specific compliment uh from both warren mcclendon and broderick jones given Ernest green during some of the press conference stuff i take that pretty seriously we know that you know players say nice things with the former players in a situation like this but when it's the specific compliment i take that with some comfort and some you know certainly some optimism because i think the georgia offensive line is a huge question going into the spring i think you need a guy like Ernest green to be able to step up for you uh obviously he kind of dealt with some injury stuff last year but based on what broad and warren said about Ernest green i think if you're a uga fan i think you're rightful to be pretty excited about what you might see for him as a likely starter at offensive tackle either left side or right side but a, a likely starter for you at offensive tackle this year I, I thought that was pretty good stuff from the two former georgia tackles this past week what did you make of it having read what you uh what you just laid out and having heard the quotes from broderick and warren 
I'm actually going to caution against maybe some of the optimism there. Uh, I'm not certain he's going to be 100% ready to go clear this spring, a full participant in spring practice. They're, I think, going to be cautious in bringing him back from his back injury there. And, look, Georgia's going to have a lot of options at that offensive tackle spot. And while, yes, Ernest Green is the highest profile of those guys, you know, Austin Blasky is a guy that's been in the system for a long time. Zero Trust is a guy that has started at left tackle before. Uh, you know, Monroe Freeling is a guy that I think has a chance to come in and push. So I'll be interested in seeing, you know, the bill of health that Ernest Green gets. I'm a little skeptical that he's going to be the full participant um, that some people seem to think he's going to be. Uh, and so with that in mind, you do have to, to pump the brakes a little bit, but it's worth remembering, and this is, I think, maybe the most reassuring thing uh, that Warren and Brother said. Everything that they came out and said was what we had all thought last spring, watching him sort of be that number two left tackle in spring practice, especially after Amarius Mims entered the transfer portal and was not with the team during spring practice. You really liked what you saw from Ernest Green, the early development, how well he did early on in his time at Georgia. It was all really encouraging. I think with a back injury, any time you have something like that, especially if someone at that size, you're going to be cautious and it's going to be a little concerning in terms of you know how quickly does he get back onto the field and what might that lead to there. And so you know, if you're telling me that Ernest is, has a clean bill of health for fall practice and there's no concerns about this back injury or re-aggravating it, yeah, I absolutely share in the enthusiasm that Broderick and Warren have. But for spring practice, I just can't quite go there yet. Yeah, and so I'm fine with that. I think the the larger thing for me is is not how healthy he is for spring, but whether or not he's actually a good player. We know he's a good prospect, and as you said, he showed some flashes last spring. I take the words of both Jones and McClendon pretty seriously, though, that when healthy, he's a good player. And I guess that's more important to me. And I don't want to make it seem like it's nothing that he's battling injury. If the battle, mm-hmm. if that injury battle lasts into this calendar year, well, obviously that's not maybe great news. But given the great Georgia players that we've seen that didn't participate in spring practice at all, I'm not really quite so sure that caused me to feel one way or another about Green in this situation. I'm just glad to hear that he really might be the kind of player that's that that's somewhat equal to his recruiting ranking because that's exactly what Georgia needs for him to be by the time you get to September, October, November. Right, and it's worth pointing out as well here that offensive line class they had signed. Look, Jacob Hood has already transferred out. Uh, we'll see what happens with Aluba there. It was not necessarily a Georgia offensive line recruiting group that I think was of the standard of past recruiting halls. I think the 2023 signing hall is significantly better in terms of the depth and the level of players that they bring in there. And so Ernest Green, it was a big win just to get him as a prospect in terms of what you thought you might potentially get in him. And then to see him so quickly prove that to be correct, I think was a really encouraging sign for his development. We'll see what kind of football shape he gets into uh, this spring. I think that's probably the more important thing there and, and what sort of development path he, he takes going forward. But, you know, like if, if Austin Blasky is your first team left tackle for G-Day, like don't be surprised there. But I think overall when you hear Warren and you hear Broderick speak so highly of where he is early in his career, he's able to overcome this back injury and get into football shape, you know, in, in fall camp it's going to be very difficult imagining somebody else being that starting left tackle against Tennessee Martin to I, I, start the season. I don't want to spend the whole time talking offensive line, but when you mention a guy like Blasky, isn't he going to be the backup center, though? Like, you know, can you play tackle and center? I think you can. Uh, he's going to be the sixth offensive lineman. He's going to be the guy that 
if there is someone injured, they're going to bring him in and, and move him around. They also have Jared Wilson uh, at center there as well, someone they're trying to develop into a center there. Uh, we'll see what they end up doing. You know, Warren Erickson was someone who was a backup center on the 2021 team, and they started him at right guard uh, for 14 games that season. And so, you know, and yes, obviously guard and tackle are a little bit different, but they feel comfortable about what they have in Blasky as a tackle option there as well. I talked about quarterback before you join us. I think this competition is going to be really fun. I think it's going to be the kind of thing that we have a good time with all throughout the spring. And I, I'm guessing the competition may also extend into the season there as well, and maybe that's the most fair thing to all three of these guys who are going through it. But for me, as I said before you joined us, Connor, this is a three-guy race to me, a three-man race to me, and it seems like whether it be preseason Heisman odds that kind of seem to only know about Beck or Vandegrift or maybe the ESPN write-up that I know that you uh, did a story about at dognation.com, I don't know that folks 10,000 feet above Dog Nation, 3,000 miles from Dog Nation, I don't know that they know how much of a factor in this competition that I believe that Gunnar Stockton can be. It's not my prediction that Gunnar Stockton will win it. I don't have a prediction about who's going to win this competition there as uh, as of yet. But I do believe that Gunnar Stockton needs to be taken very seriously. And I don't get the impression that everybody in the national media knows that right now. What is your early read on this quarterback situation? I, I think you nailed it right there. Gunnar Stockton is absolutely a name to know and is a guy that's like – like I, if right now on March seventh, I, I I think Carson Beck's going to be your starting quarterback against Tennessee Martin. But what the Georgia coaching staff is going to want to see, they're going to want to see Carson go out there and win this job. They want to see him be the best. They don't want to hand it to him as a default. And Gunnar Stockton's not going to let that happen. Uh, he's not going to you know let it be. Uh, it's just a rollover. You know, let's just go with Carson. He's the most experienced guy. Gunnar Stockton is a guy who, look, the reason he is not the national media darling, he didn't do a lot of recruiting camps. The only sort of real exposure he got his senior season in terms of a recruiting thing was the All-American Bowl at the end of the year there. And so his recruiting ranking dipped a little bit. But you watch this guy play. You talk to people who see him at practice. You hear Kirby Smart talk about it after the national championship game. The guy's a gamer. He does some of the things, I think, in terms of similarities, to Stetson Bennett, he is the most similar in terms of play style to Stetson. And, look, we've talked a lot about, and there's going to be a lot of talk about what this offense looks like going forward. Uh, I, I think they're going to try and keep this as similar as possible. And so with Gunnar Stockton, I think having a lot of the similar traits that Stetson Bennett showed and had in his time at Georgia, I, I think you, you see the potential fit there, along with the fact that like Mike Bobo knows – Gunnar Stockton better than any of these quarterbacks. Uh, he recruited Stockton when he was at South Carolina, got him to commit when he was the offensive coordinator at South Carolina. His dad, George Bobo, uh, has worked with Gunnar Stockton for a long time. There's a lot of familiarity there with Gunnar Stockton. And if Gunnar Stockton is your starting quarterback, it's because Mike Bobo feels that he is the best fit for this offense and what it's able to do. And I absolutely believe that he is talented enough and good enough to lead this Georgia offense to where it needs to go. I believe that sports fans sort of speak in the language of comparisons. How does this thing remind us of another thing that's happened in sports before? And I think a lot of folks are trying to kind of decide, hey, what will the 2023 quarterback competition, which year from Kirby's past will this be the most like? And, and for me, I'm guessing we're going to see a lot of echoes in 2017 in all of this, where Jacob Eason had started some in 2016, 
But Jake Fromm, who ironically will join us in, in a few minutes here, Jake Fromm was taken very seriously that offseason, even though he was fresh out of high school. And this is not a perfect replica of what you have in 2023. But I think it's some of the same kind of stuff where maybe Carson Beck is sort of the Jacob Eason from the standpoint that he's been the number two. He's been here longest. But we heard a lot back in 2017 of Jake Fromm pushing for competition. I believe we're going to hear some of that this spring, this summer, of whether it be a Vandegrift or whether it be a Stockton. They are making their push, and they are making this a real competition. And I believe that Kirby will use the word competition a lot in a way that he'd kind of gotten away from the last you know couple of years. Uh, uh, you know, Stetson last year, obviously. JT going into the 2021 year. You know, Kirby was sort of treating his guys a little bit more of an established starter than maybe he had uh, – uh, years prior to that I think we kind of get back to sort of old school Kirby on this where I think Kirby used the word competition a lot and you know no disrespect to Carson he may win it but I do not believe he's going to be treated as an heir apparent at all see I actually maybe think it's maybe a little bit more like the 2018 quarterback competition and we can throw competition in air quotes there like again I, I think Carson's going to end up being the guy but you're going to hear, you know, talented guys in Brock Vandergrift and Gunnar Stockton pushing, but at the same point in time, you wonder, and especially looking back in hindsight on that 2018 competition, how much of that was just like lip service and trying to placate those other quarterbacks? Because, and I do believe that there is some of that going on with this quarterback competition because of the fact that with the advent of the transfer portal, Georgia does not want to be in a position where they only have two scholarship quarterbacks on the roster. And you saw that play out in 2019 where. Like, Jake Fromm's not an unbelievable athlete. He, he's not what Anthony Richardson is. But he is certainly, I think, a more capable runner than he showed that season. But Georgia was so worried about him getting hurt and taking extra hits that they essentially wiped that out of the playbook and didn't want him even so much scrambling uh, to, to pick up extra yardage there and open himself up to extra hits. And so uh, you wonder if they're playing out this idea that it's a competition and they're giving everyone a fair chance. But deep down, they feel pretty confident in what they have in Carson, and they know he's going to be the starter. And while, yes, there'll be questions and rumblings throughout the season, and maybe even especially early on in certain games where Georgia's a big favorite, you do see guys like Brock Vandermeer come in for a series or two. You do see Gunnar Stockton come in for a series or two. But when they know they need a guy to make a play, they're going to rely on Carson Beck. And I don't expect it to be the, you know, uh, drama that it was in that 2018 season because just none of those guys were the same level of prospect and had the same level of hype attached to them as Justin Fields did. But I wouldn't be surprised if it has a sort of macro sense similar feel to it. We will see about that. Obviously, NFL scouting combine was this past week. We had a lot of good coverage of this at dognation.com. Kind of the thing that I said yesterday about it is, is I'm just amazed at how much what happened this year echoed for George what happened a year ago because when you watched all that play out leading to last year's NFL draft you're sort of left to feel as a Georgia fan of gosh you know my team will never be on top of the world the way that it is right now winning the national championship kind of dominating the NFL draft and yet lo and behold there is a very clear path again for Georgia to once again have five first round picks maybe it doesn't all work out that way but you can certainly see how Georgia gets five again and I just think it's incredibly fun to see Darnell and Broderick Jones and Nolan Smith and even you know some of the guys you know kind of down the uh the the, the conversation a little bit even a guy like Stetson in, in terms of what he did the quarterback spot I just thought it was really fun to follow these Georgia guys this weekend what, what was your overall takeaway about what you saw uh I mean Nolan Smith uh backed up everything I believe he was in a football player uh you know, there was some question of whether or not he was even going to work out at the combine given you know he suffered a torn pectoral muscle 
at the end of October. And the fact that he goes out there, runs a four three nine forty, which would have been a great time if he were like a defensive back or a wide receiver. I, I know Nolan is going to be a very good and disruptive edge player. I kind of wonder seeing him do what he did at that size. Like, could you have seen him more on offense and use him in that kind of role? Wow. Just with the raw athleticism that he had there, uh, a forty-one and a half inch vertical jump, eight inches taller than, than George Pickens, who is sort of a freak athlete in that sense. You think of that there, uh, Darnell Washington. Like, I, I thought you know if he could run in the four sevens, that'd be a great time for him. He goes out, he runs a four-six-four. You see him just own the blocking side. Uh, a guy who I, I think, you know, one of the things that has maybe been a little bit under-discussed when it comes to him, yes, he's a great athlete, and yes, there are going to be questions about how productive can he be given he was playing behind Brock Bowers in college. I think this is a guy, and I covered his recruitment. I was there the night he committed to Georgia. I was with him at the end of All-American game. I, you know, you, don't, you never want to say you know any of these guys, but I've been really impressed with the maturity that Darnell Washington has displayed and shown and grown over the course of his career. And so to see him take these steps and become better and become more mature and grow into the player and the person that he has as he's entering the NFL, it's a really cool thing to see. Because, you know, again, we cover and we talk about these guys starting as high school, he's 16, 17 years old. And so to see them grow into who they've become now and on the precipice of coming into life-changing money, it's cool to see that development, not just from an athletic standpoint, from a personal standpoint as well yeah i mean i had a chance to talk to him a couple of times kind of leading into the national championship some of the stuff in the college football playoff i enjoyed every one of those conversations this was a very mature i mean a guy you know i didn't really know him at the beginning of his college career i just know at the end of his college career this was a very mature guy who was very willing to be a part of a team concept at georgia he wasn't featured at uga the way he might be other places i think he was pivotal for the georgia offensive success and if you can get this guy paid at a first-round level, to me, that's a huge, huge boost for UGA because it gives you a great proof of concept for all kinds of things in the future of, hey, come here, dedicate yourself to the to team the way that Darnell Washington did, and you can be a very rich man because of that. Boy, that's a real engine to give Kirby Smart a chance to be exactly the kind of coach he wants to be. Right, because Darnell's a very different you know, five-star prospect in terms of when he came in. Because some of these guys, you know, a Nolan Smith, uh, a Keely Ringo, you know exactly what they're going to be when they get here, and it's easy and it's easy track of development for them to follow. Donald Washington was a five-star athlete simply because he was just so you know such a unicorn in terms of his body type. But there were questions about how he was going to translate. There were questions about he, you know should he move to offensive tackle. For him to have the development that he did at that tight end position, you know, shows not just for tight ends in particular, but I think you can extrapolate that to other positions on the field. And, and show, hey, like we have a development plan here for each and every one of these guys that come in. And if you buy into what we're doing, it's going to impress NFL teams. You're going to make a lot of money for yourself. And sure, you may not have the production that you want to have, but you're going to become an elite athlete. You're going to become, for the most part, a pretty solid all-around person. And you're going to be able to impress NFL teams buying into the team concept. And, oh, by the way, you're probably going to win a national championship or two in your time here as well. Fun to talk to you, Connor. Great to read you at dognation.com. We'll look forward to doing it all again very soon. Yep, as always, it was a pleasure. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, it's a great week. It's a fun time the NFL scouting combine. You love to see Georgia being such a big part of that and uh, continuing again for a second straight year after what happened back at the conclusion of the 2021 season. It's just awesome to see. Something else that's awesome to see, those days counting down along the way until we are on board our second ever cruise with Dog Nation coming up this April. It's Independence of the Seas. We're leaving out of Port Canaveral. We're going to Nassau on the Bahamas. Perfect day, Coco Cay. 
and we've invited you to be a part of it. So many of you are going to be there. We have a big NFL draft party coming up on the final night of that cruise. It's just going to be an awesome time. And I want you to call my friend Jessica Slater, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. You can talk to her about the Dog Nation cruise. There may be a slot left or two. I mean, what you run into eventually is just the whole ship sold out. So you kind of run out of that space. I know we've got you know a huge, huge turnout for this. There may be still a chance for you to sneak in there, but you got to do it quick because it's getting booked up fast. And then you can go to royaldogs.com to sort of read more about that. But also I want you to talk to Jessica about all the other great stuff going on when it comes to Royal Caribbean. I was just on Wonder of the Seas, largest cruise ship in the world, that big seven-night uh, vacation we had there on that. If you're watching video, you see a little bit of images from Icon of the Seas. This is the ship that's debuting January of 2024 going out of Miami. And it's just another example of how Royal Caribbean completely redefines the cruise vacation kind of pushing the limit on everything with every new ship they introduce and all the ways in which they keep amplifying and kind of you know taking the ships they have and making them even more fun we just love that about royal caribbean and jessica can tell you all about it so make sure you reach out to her today she's got you covered on all of that before i bring on jake Fromm, let me get you covered on everything else happening around the sec starting with a team soon to be in the sec as texas gets started with its spring practice uh, the discussion of quarterback comes up there arch manning fresh on campus at a high school quinn ewer seemingly the established starter but steve sarkeesian is speaking the language of competition about what's going to happen there and i am fine with telling you this that the way in which sarkeesian talks about his quarterback spot there in texas i have no problem with that as a template for how georgia could do the same thing when it comes to its quarterback situation because with all due respect to Carson Beck, who could win the Heisman Trophy this year, it is not impossible that a guy like Beck emerges and wins the Heisman Trophy. That is not a crazy thing, given the fact that he's occupying a spot that also went to you know a Heisman finalist a year ago, if he indeed emerges as a starter. The fact of the matter, though, is, is that Quinn Ewers has proven some stuff during games as a Texas starter, and yet he is not being considered the shoe-in automatic starter for texas this year arch manning's being watched closely during spring practice and during the offseason and i believe for guys like brock vandegrift and as we mentioned earlier gunner stockton who've been here i think they deserve their chance there as well and if they make their push and ultimately carson beck wins this job good he'll be better for that you know the the kind of extra spice you get because of what a vandegrift or a stockton does if beck who was the number two and the likely favorite to win this job if he does truly emerge the way he always was then he's made better because of that but vandegrift and uh, stockton deserve their chance here at georgia just like steve sarkeesian says he's giving uh, a chance to arch manning right now now maybe yours because of the experience maybe he wins maybe Beck because of his different kind of experience but more experience than the other two maybe he wins as well but this is the right year for a competition and i believe it's going to be a fun one to watch play out speaking of competition florida could use all the competition it can get and frankly it hopes to be more competitive in the sec this year the one thing it will not have to aid its competitive efforts though is a whole lot in the way of continuity a lot of coaching turnover from florida here right now a lot of guys leaving the gators to go on to the nfl one of those we talked about the other day was william peagler the tight ends coach who goes and becomes one of, I think, three former Florida assistants to take jobs at the Arizona Cardinals. It's kind of a weird anomaly. Well, Billy Napier has announced his replacement for Piegler. It's Russ Calloway, a guy who had been a quality control analyst staffer with the Florida program. You know, you remember, I wish I had the picture to show you, but do you remember that team picture for Florida at the beginning of last year where it's like they had their players and like around them they were more analysts than players? So I guess, I guess the good news for Billy Napier is if you lose a lot of coaches, you at least have a lot of those quality control guys waiting the wings to potentially take over. 
In the case of Russ Calloway, that's what he's going to do. Now, y'all know I'm a Gator hater. Y'all know I'm not particularly uh, objective when it comes to uh, these kinds of things. But as objective as I know how to be, the one thing that I'd be very, very concerned about if I was a Florida fan is the lack of continuity kind of first year to second year for Billy Napier. I'd be worried about that. And frankly, I feel the same way about a completely different college situation. You see some of the same kind of stuff going on with Mario Cristobal at Miami. They may have made good hires as replacements there. But when you have that kind of a one-year to second-year uh, changeover and you don't have a lot of continuity with your coaching staff, you're less to ask questions about, well, why is this and what does it mean? And it sort of speaks to those first 12 months on the job for Napier where you don't really have a big, tangible thing to hang your hat on. You know, Kirby Smart in his second year had the number three recruiting class in the country. Uh, you know, they made the SEC championship. They won the league. They made the college ball playoff. In year one, you know, beat a top 10 ranked Auburn team as a double digit underdog. You know, right now, other than, I guess, beating Utah, I guess, which doesn't count for much down here in SEC country, you know, Florida just doesn't have much to show for year one. And now year two, where they have to have a huge step up in play, they're doing so without a lot of experience returning on their coaching staff. I think that's tricky. Now, listen, there's also some analytic stuff out there if you care about the math nerd thing. Uh, there are also some analytic stuff out there that suggests Florida could be a turnaround team here this year. So it's not impossible to think that Florida plays better, overcoming right now what seems to be kind of a meager quarterback competition, some holes along the offensive line, and just sort of a kind of a lack of overall energy enthusiasm around the program. Some of the math guys will tell you they give Florida a shot here this year to be much better, maybe even find a way to 10 wins in a way they didn't uh, a year ago and haven't in quite some time. So you got to take them at least a little bit seriously for the possibility of a turnaround on the basis of some of that statistical stuff. But overall, there's just a lot, not a lot going on at Florida right now. And a fresh crop of coaches who no one's ever heard of are going to be tasked with trying to change that here this year. I guess a good luck to them as they do that. By the way, speaking of kind of scheduling stuff and things like that, one of the year one surprises in the SEC was what Brian Kelly was able to do at LSU, winning the SEC West, beating Alabama, and maybe Kelly also getting a little bit of an offseason win against Nick Saban in Alabama there too. We told you yesterday about some of the stuff going into the weekend, Nick Saban whining about what he sort of felt like uh, the Alabama permanent opponents are going to be. You're seeing more and more of this kind of stuff leaked out here. Alabama finding out that it's going to play Auburn, Tennessee, LSU on a yearly basis. Saban wasn't too happy about that. Brian Kelly asked about the situation of playing Alabama every year, took a very different tack with his answer, saying, I came to the SEC because I wanted to play the very best games, the the biggest games against the best opponents. So Kelly embracing this right now in a way that Nick Saban's not, I think it makes certainly Kelly look a lot more flattering than Saban's, I'll call it, whining made him look. And as some have pointed out, why is Nick Saban whining about this anyway, given the fact they've been playing Auburn and Tennessee and LSU each and every year, and they seem to win all of those games most of the time? Why is Nick Saban whining about this now? Could it be that Nick Saban knows in the future he's not likely to have the same kind of team he's had in the past, that maybe he doesn't have one of those kinds of teams this year and isn't set up to have one of those kinds of teams in 2024 when these changes start taking place? It's at least worth considering what the motivation from Nick Saban or maybe the 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 reason why Saban is uh, saying what he's saying one more thing I'll add to on this there too the other chatter coming out of some of the Ross Dellinger reporting on all this because it's been Dellinger who's kind of been at the forefront of some of these schedule leaks here is is the fact that at one point in time it was thought that South Carolina would be the third of Georgia's permanent opponents to go along with Florida and Auburn 
But it sounds like right now there's growing momentum that it might actually be Kentucky for reasons that are more complicated for me to explain. But it could be that Georgia ends up not quite having the third permanent opponent in the new scheduling model that some folks expected it to, uh, to be. And they could keep their yearly series with Kentucky alive instead. So we'll follow that. We'll kind of tell you where that you know what all that turns out to be and where all that that goes from here but for now we will make that cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean and on a day in which we have talked a lot about quarterbacks always great to have a former quarterback on the show there as well how is it going to play out for georgia this spring what is to be expected and all kinds of other fun stuff from the NFL Scouting Combine and everything else. Let's talk to Jake Fromm here right now. We call it a Kroger Fresh Take here on Dog Nation Daily. Jake, we always appreciate your time. Thanks for being with us today, and I hope you're doing well. Hey, Brandon, what's going on? Yes, sir. Happy to be here. So the thing I said before you joined us is, and I know you know these guys pretty well, is it seems like to me the national media doesn't quite realize now that this quarterback competition that's going to take place at Georgia, there's a chance that Carson Beck could win it and he could be a great player. Uh, we obviously saw the previous Georgia quarterback become a Heisman finalist. Beck could do the same thing. Brock Vandegrift might be able to travel a similar path. But, Jake, I sort of get the impression right now that ESPN people, maybe gambling people, some of those folks out there, I don't think they realize that Gunnar Stockton is also a big part of this competition, too. You know these guys. You've kind of hung around with them a little bit. Do you see this as a three-man race to become the starting quarterback for Georgia starting this spring? Yeah, I definitely do see it as a three-man race. Man, Gunner is a, uh, a very sneaky pick here uh, to win this quarterback competition, and, and Gunner brings a lot to the table, man. He, um, he just kind of brings this, this tough physical play. Uh, he's confident in what he does. Um, he's a leader of men, um, very smart, and uh, can put the ball wherever he needs to put it. So, um, man, I, I really do. I think it's going to be a great competition by all three of these guys. All three of these guys offer just a little bit of a different package, and um, I, I think what you're going to kind of see is what is Coach Bobo wanting to do with the offense and then which skill set best fits what he wants to do uh, in the scheme that they're trying to run. Well, since you bring that up, let me ask if you don't mind. Let me kind of go through each guy here just for a minute. Give me kind of your snapshot on Carson Beck. What does he bring specifically do this to this quarterback competition right now? Yeah, I mean he he brings the arm, he brings uh, the life uh, to this this deep play action attack. Uh, Carson's a guy who can make all the throws on the football field, um, and you, you you know as a coordinator, as a play caller, you're not going to be scared uh, to call these deeper shots. Um, and, and you, you're going to want to be aggressive because you know you have a guy in the offense who can make all the throws uh, and a guy who's been around, has the experience, has gone in and played in games. Um, and even though it wasn't necessarily the most ideal situation, going in the way he did up big in games and still being able to move the offense, get down and still score points, um, to me that says a lot. How about Brock Vandegrift? That's a guy that some of us knew from high school. I like the athleticism, I think, but you know this stuff better than I do. Give me that same kind of description from what you've seen from Brock Vandegrift. Yeah, so with Brock, I think what you get is a, a bigger-bodied Stetson, right? You get a guy who can get out of the pocket, make plays with his arm, with his feet, um, a guy that uh, you get some uh, zone read opportunities, uh, you get into the red zone, you know, design quarterback runs like we saw in the National Championship game with Stetson, so with Brock, you kind of get very similar of a, a same offense, a guy who has an arm as well, um, can make the, the same throws. Um, and so, you know, with that, you really kind of get more of, of what you've seen with maybe uh, an arguably maybe a better athlete. 
And how about Gunnar Stockton there as well? You and I have talked about Gunnar before, but what do yeah. you kind of see from uh, Gunnar Stockton? Yeah, I mean, see, I, I love I love Gunnar. See, me and Gunnar, I, I kind of see a lot of myself in Gunnar. Mm-hmm. Um, a guy who's not going to blow you away necessarily with his arm. A guy who's not going to blow you away with his feet. Uh, but a guy who's just going to play good, sound football. Who's going to be? He's going to get the offense in the right situations uh, and play good football. Um, he's going to complete balls. Uh, he's going to play tough. He's going to play physical, um, and he's going to play confidently for the offense and, and move the chains and score points. So. Um, I mean, with Gunner, you get a guy who, who is, is really smart, a guy who's going to know this offense, know everything in and out, uh, and always get uh, the offense in the right situation um, most, of the, most of the time and, and, and make the right play most of the time. Here's my perception, and it may be very, very wrong. If it is, I want you to tell me. But as a non-former quarterback, when I look in on this trio, to me it seems like Carson Beck had a very clear, defined role a year ago. He's the backup quarterback, and I'm assuming he practiced like a backup would, ready to step in if Stetson Bennett had gotten hurt. Gunnar Stockton, kind of the same way, had a very clear, defined role. He's the scout team quarterback. We know how valuable those reps were for Stetson Bennett going back 2017. Gunnar's practicing against a great defense every day. That's at least my perception of that. To me, it seems like Brock Vandergriff is the number three quarterback, and this is true for any, I think, number three quarterback. My perception is there's less clearly a defined role, and so you almost wonder, well, how much of a springboard is that to a chance to be the start of the next year? What does the number three quarterback do during practice? Yeah, uh, for Brock, it's very kind of a, you know, it wasn't necessarily there all the time. So um, it, it's kind of uh, a very back and forth kind of role. Uh, it's very tough at times where, you know, you're going to get some reps with the with the offense to go and, and run stuff during practice. And then also you'll run over and get some scout team reps and, and do that as well. So, uh, but, you know, it's, it's honestly a great point that you bring up. But there's not necessarily a clear, defined role. You kind of find yourself in limbo a lot of the times at practice. So um, I, I think it's going to be a real challenge for him to say, hey, to go out and play confidently and have the, the confidence to say, hey, th- this is where I'm at. This is who I want to be. I want to be the starting quarterback here. I want to have a role in this football team. Do you think it's logistically challenging? And I'm sure Kirby and uh, Bobo will figure this out. But do you think it's logistically challenging to try to split up reps between three guys? Uh, you know, split up snaps maybe even between three guys. Does the presence of a third quarterback, who you do have to take seriously in all this, does that make the the division of practice reps more difficult to accomplish? You think? Yeah, it it, it is it is tough on uh, the quarterbacks because you just never really feel like you get in a rhythm. Uh, being the guy and, and getting to go with the ones and, and, and roll and, and man, and just, just play football. Um, so as, as a player and a quarterback perspective, it's really tough. Uh, but as a coach smart and, a, and an OC perspective, um, I mean, man, they, coach smart does not shy away from reps. He loves reps. The more reps he can get in practice, the better he's going to feel about his football team. The more reps on tape they can get, the more they can learn from it. Um, and so, man, for him, it's, it's just an excuse for those guys to get more reps. And so he'll be happy about it. And I promise they'll find they'll find plenty of reps and times in practice to be able to get um, where they where they want and where they need to be. I want to ask you about Stetson at the combine. I thought he had a nice showing before that. Let me remind folks: this is our Kroger Fresh Take with Jake Fromm here on our program each and every week on Dog Nation Daily. And of course, Kroger's got great opportunities for you to save. I love the way they're always creative using technology to put more money back in your pocket. In fact, you can go digital and save even more with Kroger here right now. You can create an account on the Kroger app or the website and start saving big with exclusive digital coupons. Check out Kroger.com/sign up for more on that. 
That's Kroger.com slash sign up for more on that. As I mentioned a moment ago, Jake, I thought that Stetson had a very impressive performance in the NFL scouting combine. It seems like possibly he's going to put himself into a little bit different draft conversation than he might have been prior to that. Uh, what did you make of Stetson in Indianapolis this past week? Yeah, I mean, I thought he did really well, uh, ran well, threw the ball well. Um, you know, I mean, the only thing that just kind of leaves it up for air, you know, how, how were the meetings? How did they go? Yeah. And that's not necessarily something the public's really going to get, um, you know, from folks, from personnel who were in those meetings uh, to really share. So, uh, I, I mean, I, from everything that we saw on the on-the-field workout, um, Stetson did nothing but help and improve. Um, his draft stock so happy for him and, and look forward to see where he's going to end up and I, I want to finish with this and as a player in the league you have every right not to answer this question so if you don't want to we don't have to but <laughs> who would be your QB1 because to me you got this situation where guys like Bryce Young and CJ Stroud I mean they really proved at the college level I'll, I'll take Bryce as an example on this you know I, I believe that that's a guy I wouldn't mind seeing you know my favorite NFL team build around I, I just I just think that he had a some special qualities while he was playing better players in college than guys like will levis and anthony richardson were but richardson and levis have these like physical gifts that make them very attractive this time of year but jake for me i would much rather kind of make my bet on a guy who had had production in college and who had won a bunch of games something that i don't think that levis or richardson really did at a high level as i said before you have every right not to answer this but what do you make of some of the quarterback debate that's sort of out there right now yeah um yeah, th- thanks for putting me on the spot here, Brandon. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're good. <laughs> you're good. Uh, but, I mean, in, in essence, the the decision really comes down to, hey, wh- what do we see, what do we know, and then, you know, you kind of take that in, in one circle, and then over here in, in this other this other pile, this other pot, do we say, hey, what, like, what's the potential? What, what could they be? And it's always this back-and-forth battle of, hey, what do I know? Uh, how, how good is he right now? Can he go play and win games for us right now? Or, hey, it, it, under the right circumstances and the right situation, what what could they be? And then I, I also will say, now I, I believe up here in this league, the the, the margin is so minuscule yeah. on on players and on athletes and skill set. I mean, everybody up here is so dang good at what they do. Um, and there's guys who do a little thing, you know, a little bit better, a little bit different. Obviously, Lamar Jackson's a, a unicorn. Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes, uh, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, those guys sure. are the unicorns. Uh, and then, I mean, everybody else here in this in this pot is just, I mean, so dang close. And we're just scrapping and clawing to to try to find a job, trying to find a spot. Man, it is it is really really tough. That's why we like watching on TV. It is good, good stuff. And, Jake, we love talking to you about it. It is uh, always a fun conversation. Thanks for being here this week. And uh, we'll look forward to getting the chance to do it with you again very soon there as well. Yeah, thanks, Brandon. Good stuff from Jake Fromm. And he's right. I mean, the difference between, hey, I'm a 10-year starter and I make, you know, $100 million or even in some cases more than that, and the guy who, you know, ends up not quite being that, it is not always wide. You know, sometimes it's just about, you know, take advantage of the chance when it comes your way. And as I said before, that's why the drama is so good on TV. It's why we talk about this stuff every day because of how intense that competition is and lots of different ways to kind of go about doing it. We're seeing a handful of different quarterbacks in this draft conversation right now, including Stetson Bennett himself. By the way, Golden Shoe, let's give one of these out. I'm always impressed by how, like, 
well-traveled our audience is, including uh, DeLaw, GA, who checks in from London, to say, while walking around in London today, I saw this car that I thought belonged to the number one UGA fan. Uh, then I realized it was for the ambassador from Uganda, because what the license plate says is one UGA, and instead of UGA, it obviously stands for Uganda. A lot of y'all know the same thing. When you do, like, hashtag UGA on Twitter, it would kind of populate with, like, the Ugandan flag because of... Uh, I guess the World Cup or Olympics, whatever else. So not the first time Uganda has been misunderstood for UGA, but good to see uh, DeLaw, UG, uh, La, DeLaw GA checking in from London. And uh, glad to have him uh, as a part of what we're doing here at Dog Nation Daily. Golden Shoe going out there for that. And that is a nice license plate. By the way, speaking of license plate, how about the one that says Gator Hater on the back? And how about 235 days from now? Georgia back in Jacksonville, quite possibly for the last time, beating up on those lousy, stinking gators. That is our Gator Hater Countdown. We'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. And of the podcast, it's time now for the R.S. Andrews Podcast Cool Down. Take your comments via Twitter at Dog Nation Daily, of course, in the comments section at the bottom of the page when we post the show at dognation.com. And I realize a lot of you listen you know, on the Apple Play or Spotify or something like that. But if you want to visit dognation.com or while you're at dognation.com, maybe better said, uh, go ahead and find the podcast post. We always label it Georgia Football Podcast, and you can click into that. Even if you are to listen to the show, you can pop in there and put your comment in, and I'll still read it for you uh, as a part of our podcast cool down when we do this each and every day, including Coach Couch, who writes in via Twitter to say, I'm listening to yesterday's podcast, wondering why scouts want to worry about Stetson's height so much. The entire offensive line at Georgia was going pro, and never he really never really struggled to see the uh, over them to see the field. Why is the jump to the NFL so big if you come to a program with monsters? I think it's a fair question. I think the NFL kind of falls in love with these measurables too much. Now, a lot of their scouts will tell you when it comes to the middle of the field, in particular in the NFL game, it's just more difficult to be able to see. Some of that may be because the hashes are more narrow. You know, if you watch the college field. The hash marks are closer to the numbers, wider than they are in the NFL. So you may have more congestion in the center of the field, which may make seeing the action a little bit more difficult. I don't know. They will tell you, though, that uh, that the place where you worry about the height of um, a quarterback is the middle of the field in the NFL. But I thought the John Stinchcomb had some interesting things to say yesterday about working with Drew Brees, who's about the same height that Stetson Bennett is. And the fact that, you know, all Breeze ever knew how to be was a six-foot quarterback, and it clearly didn't stop him. Now, the one thing we also have to be mindful of, too, is is the notion of falling too in love with outliers. And that's true, whether it be a Stetson Bennett, who you may want to compare to Drew Breeze, or a guy like, say, Anthony Richardson, who you might want to compare to, say, Josh Allen. You know, Josh Allen's gone on to great success in the NFL without having a whole lot of college success to, to set himself up for that. And you say, well, if Allen can do it, then Anthony Richardson can do it. But you know, outliers are sort of outliers for a reason. In the case of Stetson, I guess fairly, or you have to sort of say the same thing there too. But I am generally of Coach Couch's belief here, which is that, hey, if I'm seeing production from the player, then I care less about the measurables, especially when, in the case of Bennett, while his overall height is not obviously off the charts, I, I do think his hand size actually kind of measured out pretty big. And I know that People laugh at the whole hand size obsession. Guys like Joe Burrow apparently measured pretty small on that, and yet you clearly see how good of a quarterback he is. But it seems to me when it comes to throwing the football, you know, that big hand size, both in terms of not having those, you know, bear paw pass rush moves knocking out of your hand, but also just the ability to kind of sling it, you know, having a bigger hand just makes, I would say, you know, spinning it with that tight spiral 
a little bit easier to do. So, you know, from that standpoint, I think it seems like Bennett measures out on that. I think one way or another, Stetson probably exits the scouting combine ahead of the Georgia Pro Day uh, as a much sharper NFL prospect than some folks thought he would be around this time uh, as we ha- approach the NFL draft. So it seems like Stetson could be on his way to a pretty happy ending to his story uh, as he looks to find out where his NFL home is going to be. We'll make that our podcast cool down presented by R.S. Andrews. You can find R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. They'll show up on time. They'll do the work that's promised, the price that's promised. You can trust them on all of that. So find R.S. Andrews today. We'll see you back here tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. We'll look forward to talking to you then.